Okay, alright, well, uh, maybe we can knock the, the Squid Game episodes out first. Okay, we're at about almost six minutes of just our talking now, so let's head into Squid Game. Gotcha. Okay, so, uh, we're reviewing episode four and five. Uh, episode four was called Stick, Stick with the Team, or Stick to the Team. And episode five was called A Fair World. Which I thought was, uh, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, so did I. I mean, they're they're making a there are a lot of twists and turns in this program, and yeah. you know, uh, there are some interesting ones in this one. First, in episode four, when you know they were playing on the different teams, um, uh, you know, being com- still competing against each other after the game was played. You know, and just the making up of the teams, uh, you know, had been somewhat contentious. And then later we found that, um, you know, even even the guards, you know, there's something going on there, too, because they've got their own uh, they've got their own game going on, sort of uh, unbeknownst. And, you know, they're even getting they're even. Uh, uh, taking uh, some of the uh, players, you know, into their fold. Yeah. You know, giving them an unfair advantage. Well, giving them giving them an unfair advantage, but also, um, um, you know, getting them to. uh, Well, it's just added something to it. You know that there that it's more than meets the eye that the. You know, some level of dissension going on amongst the guards as well. Right. You know, and they're beginning to drop like flies. Uh, you know, so um, it seems like uh, it's being made, uh, it's becoming pretty chaotic. And whether or not that's the intent of whoever devises this thing or not, you know, to see if... Um, you know, it becomes a real free-for-all between the, uh, shall we say, contestants and the guards who are supposed to keep order. Right. You know, we'll see. I mean, some there's, there, as you noted last night in episode five, there are even some players who are playing both sides of the fence. Exactly. Yeah, which, I mean, I get the impression that the games are supposed to kind of mirror or the way the story's being told is supposed to, like, mirror society. The way poor people act in society, yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. It's like real condensed, but I can see it. Yeah. I kind of, you know, I like how it's constructed like that, where it's like a microcosm. You yeah. know, people using using whatever they have at their disposal to try to tilt the game in their favor to get in with the right team. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, every- you know, that could have been done, although in an hour and a half movie. Yeah, yeah. you know, but. <laughs> he's, you know, who was ever writing the uh, teleplays for these is kind of stretching that out, you know, to the yeah. complexity of different kinds of situations. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. You know, using the first episode just to set up the premise and then starting to develop in all these other episodes different aspects of it, of exactly what you're saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, do, I do think it's... It's becoming really unpredictable. Like, some plot points I thought they would take longer to get to. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it kind of inverted. I thought maybe the betrayal of the guy with the 
tattoo on his face. Oh, yeah. I thought his portrayal would be like game four, game five. Mm-hmm. And I thought that maybe they'd get to game three right away. And instead, it like it kind of yeah. flipped it. It was like he betrayed her nearly immediately. And it was like it took forever for that game three. <laughs> Like well, well yeah, but, you know, that, I mean, okay, say so maybe he's kind of set the stage for that a little bit early. Yeah. But it sort of left things brewing under the surface as well. Right. You know, and then, um, um, yes, because he didn't select that one woman for his team, and that was in episode three or four. Okay. I think that oh, was be episode I, four. I think it was four. episode four. Yeah, because that was the that was the first time where they, where they actually had to uh, develop teams. Before that, they were sort of connecting, yeah. you know, making connections in little self-contained communities within right. the larger one. But then, you know, in episode four, before the tug of rope, uh, uh, tug of war is when they actually were de- had to develop teams. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was odd that, like, they were pretty sure they would kill each other, which I, I thought that was really strange. That was really the, That they were killing each other, I thought that was really strange. It was, but, you know, I mean, that one could suggest that that might have come a little bit early. Yeah. You know, that because that was, you're right, it did come pretty quickly. Um, and it was pretty devastating. But it was also, that was also part of the, it seemed like that might have been part of the plan of who's ever putting this whole thing that together, that in addition, you know, to eliminating people through the various games that they create, right. they're eliminating people through this um, warfare that they have amongst themselves. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so... That was that was a little bit surprising. Yeah, uh, I'm still not clear on the end part though. I didn't I didn't know. I thought that they all had like personal amounts of the money that they got, or I wasn't sure. Like, or maybe it's like it becomes a pot that whoever is alive at the end splits. Yeah, it becomes. Uh, you know, well, it seems as though that they had a certain number of people, and uh, there was the assumption that. If everybody survived everything, then every you know went through the whole thing, that everybody would get a certain allotment. Exactly. But then they had that big, uh, like, rotating nineteen twenties <laughs> bulb thing up on the yeah. ceiling that um, every time people die, there's tons of money drops in there. So right. what that is is, um, you know, that's that's the pot. Yeah. You know, that's that's the money that all these people that were killed were, were going to get. Yeah, yeah. And that's going, that's how I understand it. Okay, okay. But then again, that's, there's still the whole pot. Yeah. You know. Might be jumping ahead a little bit. I mean, because this is technically part one and part two of the, what could have been like one super episode, I guess. Yeah. But in the, in episode five, when he's looking through the books, when the yeah. junior detective guy looks through the books. Uh, it says there's only like one winner per game, so I wonder is the final game designed to to just have one survivor? Or? That's what, that's what I'm guessing right now. That's what it sort of seems. What it's geared to is that everybody's expecting, and I, that's maybe what all of this is to is that um, 
you know, especially when you were talking about how they're turning on each other and so on, that at some point, once, you know, even the teams are going to start turning on each other, you know, and trying to eliminate people because they, I mean, they, they all seem to be desperate enough where they need that pot. Right. You know, and then um, it seems like uh, uh, it seems like it's going to break down further and further. I mean, um, that the guy with that tattoo might be there at the end. The um, student from S- the university that embezzled all that money and that first character that we met with the young daughter who lives with his mother. Right. You know, those seem to be like the three main people that we've got to watch for. Yeah. At first, I thought that old guy was kind of a shoe-in that was going to just surprise everybody, and he just still might. But, um, you know, uh, in this last episode, uh, they sort of left it that his fate is might be sealed now. Yeah. Apparently he's having some kind of infection or... Something. Or something, you know, yeah. fatigue, you know. Yeah, not sleeping, stress. Yeah. It'll do it to you. Yeah, that he's, uh, he seemed like he was in a bad way at the end of episode five. So who knows what his fate's going to be. That just might be another, you know, plot device. You know, he seems to have had a couple of surprises in him. Right. Um, which were pretty crafty, you know. And then, you know, as I was saying, the guards having a, a kind of a side game that for which they um, uh, got one of the uh, team players to uh, um, help them, albeit a bit unwillingly, right. uh, was kind of surprising, too, that they've got this side game going. Right. Yeah, and the, I guess the whoever is the... I guess he's the head of the game, the black mask. Guy. Yeah, yeah. He he just, I don't know, he said he wasn't really upset that they were chopping up the bodies and selling the organs, but he was upset that they uh, that they were making the game unfair. I was like, I suppose oh. he cared about that. <laughs> yeah, wonder yeah. what how that feeds into his motive. Well, you know, the question. Um comes up is uh, how and you know I think uh, maybe where your analysis of it being a microcosm of uh, life and capitalism in particular is really working is that you know we don't know how if or how much these guards are being paid right. you know maybe they don't feel like they're uh, getting their fair fair share given the huge pot that you know some lucky winner is going to get yeah. And so they want to sort of even the score for themselves by selling these, uh, you know, body parts. Yeah. You know, so in as you know, which is, you know, a uh, pretty normal. Well, yeah, it's sort of a, it's sort of a symbol of the, uh, you know, the worker wanting to get his fair share in sight of, you know, all these other people making gazillion amount of uh, money. Over uh, because of their efforts, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. It is really interesting how it is. Like it seems to be like a, like a side hustle at like a business, like employees at a business might have. Yeah. 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 
you know so uh i know some guy who uh who used to uh resell like canceled uh orders oh you know it was like somebody would order like some hardware or something and they decided they didn't need it and we couldn't send it back so they would just kind of write it out of existence and then they'd go sell oh, it so, to so yeah. whoever did that could take it off the truck and sell it on the side exactly yeah. so but I mean, how did they get away with that? Because if the orders cancel, it has to be put the, the equipment has to be put back into stock, doesn't it? Well, it's it's usually it's sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But they figure out a way to. I, th- I think they say like, oh, we'll hold it here until it's needed again, which could be like a years. So it's like you know, if you do the book work, you can just say, oh, you know, we moved it or something, and it got lost. You know, on a moving truck. That might be. That might be included. That kind of loss might be included, like in, in a in a uh, in a store. (coughs) um, You know, with slippage. Yeah, yeah. You know the analogy to slippage. You know, you know, you write off a certain amount. Yeah. um, I mean, you never know. It could have been ruined or lost. You know, maybe it like fell off the truck and got damaged or something. So. Yeah, was unsalvageable. You know, you could do a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you now take a hammer to a corner of the box, and yeah, yeah it fell off a truck. There you go. We didn't get a lot out of it, but no, I mean, yeah, there wasn't a lot going on. It was just like the things that were going on were pretty intense. Yeah. No, I'm not well, sure. Well, they one. did it. They did include a. a uh, <coughs> they did include a cliffhanger. Yeah, at the end. Okay. Yeah, at the end of four. Yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy cliffhanger. Um, or something else. There was a cliffhanger at the end of five too, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, but you know, maybe not quite as dramatic, but yeah, not as intense. But, but it certainly was a cliffhanger nonetheless. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I think they're gearing up to have people binge watching it. Yeah, yeah. Get more power to them if they can. Well, I mean, I've got to say that these are. These are particularly long programs because unlike um, American, uh, made for American uh, TV programs, these Korean programs were an hour long rather than 42 or 45 minutes, you know. Yeah, they're they're probably not figuring they were going to be syndicated though, too bloody. (laughs) Well, that is something that I uh, noticed about them. you know, I was talking to my sister about them this morning when she and she told me that um, you know uh, one of her one of her kids really enjoys them and her one of her daughter's husbands uh, really enjoys them. And I was saying, you know, I like them except that they t- seem to be really very very aggressive and violent. Yeah. You know, I do notice too one weird thing. This might not be consistent throughout, but I notice when they're filming the violence that the guards do to them, mm-hmm. I notice it's shown a little more explicitly than the violence that they do to each other. Mm-hmm. Like when he stabs the chick with the glass, with the broken glass bottle, before he like, you know, they like show him, and like, oh, you're going to tell on me, huh? And, you know, it like cuts away. Mm-hmm. Or like when the guy like beats the chick to death on the in front of the elevator doors mm-hmm. it'll like go to like night vision mode while he's actually hitting her yeah but when it's like when it's showing the guards killing them you know there'll be like these artistic angled oh you know bang blow his head out they'll show his brains flying and then yeah. they'll show him like sliding down the slide maybe that's supposed <laughs> you know in lieu of your analogy 
maybe that's supposed to make some kind of demarcation right. about the different elements of society. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to, if you want to take it that route, I mean, that's right. Right. Hmm. You know, if you want to go into start interpreting things. Yeah. Maybe because like civilian on civilian violence is sometimes not always like captured, but maybe like when like government officials are interacting with the public maybe it's like it's on it's recorded well so, yeah with the uh, with something. the uh dash cams and that sort of thing you know the little lapel cams yeah possibly. you know they're trying to put a uh happy face on it yeah know? or like maybe he's accentuating it for some reason like maybe like the violence they do to each other is taboo or maybe like people don't see it or don't care about it yeah. But, I mean, in America, like, violence that poor people do to each other is, like, always, like, plastered all over the news 24-7. Yeah. You know, be like, oh, guy shot here, you know, yeah. person robbed here, you know. Yeah. And it's it's no big deal, but, you know, the, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, accentuated. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's the joke, the, you know, oh, my God, somebody was shot five miles away. Say that again. There was there was like an internet joke where they were like making fun of people who say you know the the folks who get like really upset when somebody's killed like five miles away. Mm. And they'll be like, oh my god, I was there. You yeah. know, I was that I was within a quarter mile of that location yeah. a week ago. You know, yeah. It's like you're not there now, so yeah, kind of a weird thing to be upset about. I mean, it's bad that people got killed. Yeah. But. Well, last night we were <laughs> one house away from potential violence. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, if we happen to have been standing at the stop sign, that could have been one of us. Yeah. That's the guy at the stop sign took off. He punched it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they were shooting at him. <laughs> you know. You know, I, as I was telling someone, I was relating that to, about the, that to somebody earlier today. And he was asking, well, why, why were they doing that? And I think it was just somebody showing off that they've got, that they can drive and shoot off their pistol at the same time. You know, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily shooting at anybody, uh, aimed at any, anybody, you know, or it might have been somebody, uh, you know, annoyed at, you know, this whole area being a really nice neighborhood. Right. You know. Maybe they were just checking their gun. Well. Possible. You know, you got to make sure it works. So. The best time to do it is when there's a bunch of noise. Huh? At 10 o'clock at night in the middle of the street. <laughs> well, maybe not that, but it's, it's close <laughs> to New Year's. So. You know. Oh, they've got to make sure it's ready for when they're... Yes, that that makes <laughs> that makes sense in a bizarre kind of a way. Yeah, yeah, close enough. They're not like thinking it to a T, but I get that's the idea. They're yeah. like, oh, somebody's shooting fireworks, which people were last night. It really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Like after midnight, though, it was just like it it gave way to just like gunfire. It was like it was like firecracker, firecracker. Then like eleven fifty eight hit, and then it was just. Boom, 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 boom. You know, yeah. Like fire, like it's not a firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's some guy just ran out of bullets. <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, you know, we'll see when uh, New Year's comes along. I don't remember this area being, you know, particularly much about uh, 
firecrackers or guns going off at midnight on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Um, hopefully leading, not leading into... What was like you read a thing? 2020 numeral two. Numeral two. Uh, but against Roman, how was the Arabic numerals? Pardon? There was a... I don't know if it, how how much traction it got, but for a while there was a conspiracy. Uh, you know, you know where people are like against stuff. They hated Common Core, and they don't like critical race theory. Oh yeah. And for like just like a stutter step for a second there, there was a thing to get rid of Arabic numerals. Oh really? Yeah, and what it, one of the things I think it was like it started as a prank, and then it like actually I think it got like five thousand signatures somewhere. And then I was like, I was like, what do they want to go to? They want to go to like Roman numerals. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I can read Roman numerals, but, but try doing long division in Roman numerals. Yeah, yeah, that might not might not be the best. Yeah. Be a lot of I's and V's and X's and. Yeah, and, and how do you do decimals? Yeah, yeah. I go. Yeah. I guess you'd have to keep the decimal part of it. So, yeah, you know, I, I, decimal, I, I. Yeah, you know. and I don't think in the Roman numerals they have a zero. Oh, they don't. You know, so how do you do uh, one tenth of one percent in your in your decimals? Maybe mm, like leave it. I don't know. You leave it blank. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Insinuate. I mean, uh, you know, who's the guy that thought of that? Just wasn't thinking ahead. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's it's so weird. I think we're spilling into the politics part of it. So well, okay. I well, I think we—I pre- think we pretty much got to the end of. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Of. Um, but I yeah. think we add another couple of minutes on to. Uh, right. The Squid Game, so I think we can go on to your. Yeah. Uh, program of political. Chatter. Right. Right. And we're like we're here. We're just not like pre-recorded from a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Is this is today's news? Yeah. Yeah. Or at least. You know, relevant today anyway. So Trump came out and did a interview. I'm not sure if you heard about it, where he encouraged uh, some of his supporters to go ahead and get oh, to get the vaccination. Yeah, or the booster. Yes, I did. I did yeah. hear something about that, and I, you know, that's uh, it's kind of late in the game. You know, since he has been. Um, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's just a visuals kind of a thing. Right. You know, I, th- I think just simply because he's been so noncommittal, even though he himself and his family have been getting, you know, the vaccinations, he's not really been coming out and saying any much about it. Uh, what I did read about this is that... Um, Somewhere is that the reason he came out so positive was because somewhere along the line, Joe Biden paid him some kind of compliment. He did. Yeah. Over what? I don't know. The natty tie? I don't know. Didn't Uh, he try to kill him? Pardon? Didn't he try to kill him? Kill who? You know, didn't Trump try to kill Joe Biden with COVID? At least. Well, that's what they, they, you know, you know, that they, nobody actually outright came and said that but um you know the implication was certainly there because they had they had those they had that one infamous debate where 
um, uh, uh, President Trump knowingly had uh, COVID, although he denies that he knew. But they, they gave him that people are saying that he knew that he had COVID and he went and did the debate. And they were, they were probably more than six feet apart. But you know how Trump is in his debates. He can't stand still for yeah. that amount of time. Yeah, and he was and, kind of badgering him into taking his mask off. I don't remember that, but, you know, I mean, that, all of that, especially the wanting him to take his t- mask off, certainly does not look good. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, that he, that he was, you know, um, you know, what better way to get rid of your opponent than by giving him a, a fatal disease? Yeah. Especially to a guy that's older than you are. Yeah. You know, and that that would have been a total disaster, which, you know, had Joe Biden got ill, just plain ill, that would have been a disaster. But I can't, I can't imagine what hap- would have happened. I can't imagine that if one of your candidates is ill or, heaven forbid, dies over that, um, you know, that we could possibly have let the election go on. At the very least, because, okay, maybe the Democrats would have decided, well, let's put Kamala Harris, you know, as a front runner. Yeah. Because she would, she was already in place. Yeah. They would have had to have very, you know, I'm not sure they could have gotten away with, you know, quickly getting a, um, you know, getting a... Um, yeah, changing it on the fly. Important. They couldn't get away. I mean, you don't, you're not sure if they could have gotten away with changing the card on the fly like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, because they would have got either have gotten a vice pre, new vice presidential candidate. I can't. I don't see how they could have done it on the fly. We'll do it when she gets into office. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, above and beyond the difficulties of electing Kamala Harris on her merits on her own merits. I think that having a uh, woman as the front runner candidate, you know, for the main, would have been just as difficult now as it was in 2016. I feel like to a certain extent it'd be more difficult because Kamala Harris or Harris doesn't have that kind of. She's not like extremely charismatic, nor is she like very in touch with popular culture. And she's so, not necessarily as well known yeah. as Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, she would have been a... She, she purports to be, like, a lot more progressive. But, I mean, from, like, stuff of our record I've seen, she doesn't, like, her... She seems to be slightly better than, all, you know, a lot of people, but, I mean... I thought I thought Joe Biden would be like objectively worse than Hillary Clinton. Like she was a far better candidate than he was. Mm. So that kind of that still kind of surprises me that she lost and he won. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I thought like if she couldn't win. He's well, like. Well, you know the thing is, is that she had had a. You know she had had a record. You know all of the old stuff about Benghazi would have been brought up all over again if she had been the candidate. Yeah. Especially with Donald Trump as as the as the president in office. Right. You know, it was difficult enough when not when they were going for their first terms. But, you know, 
uh, uh, Trump was in office, you know, it would have been, it would have been too much like a revenge match. You oh, know, yeah. I think, you know, had, had they, you know, and I, I think that that would have been, you know, I mean, I would have liked to have seen her as president in the first place, but I think that trying to get her, a, get her in, uh, uh, after Trump's first term, I think I would have liked. I think that would have been a been a, been a mistake because she lost to him once. Yeah. You know, uh, you know she would have lost to him, lost to him a second time. Yeah, that would embolden his his fan base. Yeah, they think like, oh, this is the best they got. Yeah. You know, yeah. We can do this again. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. I I uh, actually the two candidates that that did the best like. In the initial uh, uh, state uh, runoffs, mm-hmm. I forgot what they're called, where they have to, like, you know, they go to Iowa first, yeah. and then they, like, go somewhere else, and then New somewhere Hampshire. else, yeah, Nevada, or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's, like, the two candidates that seem to be doing consistently the best were Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders, and then, like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, I think they said Kamala Harris was, like, number six or number five, yeah. you know, and Joe Biden was, like, third or fourth but yeah. they ended up becoming the the candidates for some reason and it's like i don't think harris could run like unless she got like somebody that was higher up the you know higher up the enthusiasm card than she was so it's like she's kind of got a history as you know as a prosecutor you know mm-hmm. i feel like that kind of somebody's got to do it but i feel like that's one of those jobs where it's it's hard to keep people's enthusiasm and do that for a living. Yeah, you know, you know if she had, uh, am I making it too smoky for you? Uh, you could. I was just trying to. I was trying to move it so I could see you. <laughs> I see you through uh, the haze. If she, I mean, she could have chosen Pete Buttigieg or Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, they would have been. Either one of those would have been constitutionally too different from her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she would have. She would have had two very popular people there. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But I think if he doesn't run, if he doesn't run again, I don't think she should run again either. Um, Because somebody would, like, somebody that's like a charisma monster. Yeah. You know, like, what's his name? Is she wouldn't be able to she'd have like one liners I think I mean they got time to work on it so they could try to coach her to be more likable but you just, know, if it was she, tomorrow Trump she, would be I haven't seen she um, maybe it's just the um, news sites that I go to but I don't she's not getting a lot of press yeah well nobody really cares about her so so I can't she's not um, fun yeah but just like uh, Mike Pence didn't necessarily get yeah. a lot of press, but I think even he got more than yeah. Kamala Harris is getting now. Yeah, he's nuts. He's still not fun, though. <laughs> no, he, and he's less fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that um, it's been written that if uh, Donald Trump makes a bid in twenty the 2024 election, that's going to seal... Um, uh, Joe Biden running again. Pretty much. I believe so, yeah. Um, you know, which... As long as he's alive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. still at least has the cognitive, 
cognitive abilities that he has now, yeah. um, which uh, it's in some circles have been brought into question, but um, I don't know if they're necessarily any, any necessarily reasonable um, questions. But he's always been like that, though. He's always been kind of dupey. You know, he's been a gaff machine since what the seventies. Mm. Yeah, I think they're just trying to say it's his age now, so they can kind of gloss over it. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, the gaffs I don't mind. You know, which makes him a little bit more. I mean, regular folks are making gaffs all the time. Oh no. You know, I guess maybe we don't want our political leaders to be. We want them to be more gaff free. Yeah. Gaffing is is roman romantic, I guess, but it's like it's like when you get like you know when you could start war, it's kinda. I want you to be less gaffy, you know. No Mister Bean stuff while you're deciding who dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, geez, um, um, that's with what they say. A lot of people in the Trump White House were trying to do is just. Um, you know, stop get to get him to stop doing things on impulse. Yeah. You know, which is, seems like how he does everything. Yeah. That that's one thing too that kind of gets me. Like I, I was called by a pollster uh, years ago to ask me about that, and they were like, "Oh, do you like Trump? Do you like Trump's politics?" You know, I said, "No." Do you like what he's doing with this and that and the other? And it was no most of the time. You know, the vast majority of the time it was a no. I think he did some kind of thing where he, like, there were some historical figures and he had, like, annulled their federal charges, you know, where they, like, brought, like, historic figures up on, like, BS charges to mm -hmm. harass them. And I was like, oh, well, that's not too bad, you yeah. know. Like who? I think it was, like, some, uh, the first black world heavyweight boxer. He was, he was like, he was, apparently he was really hard to beat and they didn't want a black guy to be the heavyweight champion, so they would, like, pull him over, harass him, charge him with, like, every little thing they could think of, like, apparently, like, he dated some prostitute, and he would take her across state line, so they charged him with, like, taking prostitutes across state line, even though he's probably dating her, yeah. you know, but whatever, at least, you know, I don't know if it was, like, a romantic dating kind of thing, but, you know, he was probably had some kind of prolonged agreement with her. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was, like, stuff like that. But when they came to the tweeting, I thought the tweeting was actually a good thing. Came to what? The tweeting. You know, where he just, like, kind of fly off the handle and tweet whatever was on his mind. Yeah. And I did like that because it makes you seem more relatable. People, especially normal people, it kind of made me think of it when the January 6th stuff happened. Mm-hmm. These people are here. They're at, they were at the Capitol. Not all of them were aware of what they were doing, but I think below the surface level, they knew what they were there to do. Trump, Trump, they believe Trump was unfairly treated, and he was being droned by the office unjustly, and they were going to go in there and cause chaos and kill people to try to ensure that Trump would maintain the presidency. Mm -hmm. Now, in response to this, these like seasoned politicians have like these straight face statements like uh like the vice president you know they're mm. like these like fucking they seem like they're like lizards just like reciting these you know like be reactive 
you know, react to the situation. Yeah. When Trump's upset about something, he would get on Twitter and he'd rage about it. Well, you know, yeah. I think that that's the, that's the point. Is that why so many people are upset? Is that given his position, he needed to be more measured, hmm. not to not to not have opinions, but to be more measured in his responses. You know, a lot of what I think what you're, and I think gratefully, uh, complaining about with other politicians that it's so they're so predictable. And so wooden, yeah, robotic, and, and yeah, robotic, and so you know, textbook in many ways. Yeah, that his seemed more natural, but they they weren't. They certainly weren't measured. They were, oh no, maybe even more inflammatory. Yeah, but I th- I and but what well, the question is, why do you approve of that and not of Joe Biden's gaffes? Why do I approve of that? Because in, in, in contrast with Joe Biden's gaffes, when Joe Biden, from like what I've seen of him in the past, when he's messed up, it seemed like it was to be deliberate or like deceitful. Like stuff Joe Biden would lie about would be like he would tell the media, I graduated with four degrees magna cum laude of my college. And when they go look, he'd have like one like bachelor's degree and he like graduated the bottom tier of his class and it's like okay but that's 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 not that unnatural to lie about your resume i mean most people have probably done it i mean to embellish a little bit but would you tell people you had like four degrees i feel like that's a little plan that's a little desperate and it's like and some of the other stuff he did like uh like a lot of his like police reform and his like pro pro drug war stuff in the past and getting people locked up he he'd say like later on they would say like well the black caucus came and wanted me to do something so i did something and there i did it and then they didn't like it when i did it Mm. so he would say stuff like that but see that just means you're not listening that's communicating to me that you're like you're desperate for approval Mm. it's like you're lying about your education you know you're well, the lying, the lying about his education is really more of a misrepresentation than a gaffe. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, his, it, his, his misspeaking his relation, for example, to Black Caucus, that's, that's uh, I think, as you say, poor communication, poor listening on his part, on yeah. his part. You know, but that, that to some extent, too, is uh, almost pro forma that we you know, try to defend our policies, and which I'm not apologizing for, by the way. Right. Uh, I, you know, I just think that, um, I just think that these unhindered um, tweets were so inflammatory yeah, on Trump's yeah. part that they were causing even more trouble. Yeah, I mean, than, I, I would say, like, the second part of that, like, when Trump tweets, it's usually like he's having... He's having like an emotional reaction to something that that's happening. He's not like he's not like it. If I feel like when Joe Biden gaffes, it's like he's trying to do like a calculated political thing, but he's just not good at it. Mm. And I feel like when Trump's doing it, I mean it's over exaggerated. 
but he gets on there, you know, and it feels like he's actually having an emotional reaction, like a legit emotional reaction, even though it might not be. It might be scripted or maybe angled or a message, you know, it might be some kind of, uh, you know, like maybe it's like a script he's reading off of or something like that. But, I mean, it does kind of feel more natural to have somebody go, get on Twitter and go, you know what, shit, I don't like that. You know, versus like when Biden does it, it's like, it's like, you know, oh, did I pull that off? <laughs> you know. You yeah. Know. Well, you know, uh, if if Trump had been had been short and sweet, that would have been one thing. But he yeah. wasn't. You know, yeah. he was just he was unhinged. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that that was, you know, that was that I th- in my mind is the is emblematic of his, you know, entire administration that he didn't really think things through they weren't his responses were and okay you know the uh, the emotionality the straight from the gut thing I can see why why you would appreciate that I can appreciate that as well as opposed to the overly measured you know responses for a political reason I think you make a very good point there but you know I think that um you know, in in our daily life, I think we have to be a lot more reflective. Right. You know, when we're, you know, when we're flying off the handle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's just, that's that's what causes a lot of trouble. Yeah. That's what what causes things to get worse. And yeah, and I do I do want to say the things he said were like reprehensible a lot of the times, but I feel like if he had politics that I agreed with. I feel like I would maybe get caught up accidentally defending some of it. Mm-hmm. Like, if he, like, said stuff that I liked, he would, you know, I would go. Yeah. You know. But he says, like, terrible shit, so it's like, okay, yeah. all right, go ahead. Go well, ahead. in that perspective, that, that I think, is a re- much more reasonable, reasonable point of view. Right. You know, that right there, you know, from that perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, you know, so I have to, I have to agree contextually what we're talking about now that makes a lot more sense yeah um so okay and and sometimes when you're like when you're speaking off the cuff sometimes you say stuff you you have an exaggerated (laughs) and maybe it's just like trump yeah trump was uh, way too unmeasured when he wrote stuff but it's like the opposite was like all these other like boring politicians who like would just yeah, you know, some intern like wrote all their tweets. Yeah, <laughs> you know? So they're basically it's the extreme. They were yeah. both being, they were both representing extremes. Exactly, but yeah. I mean, they can't help it though. It's just the nature of the beast. They don't want to say anything that would alienate somebody that would vote for them. So they say these things that are extremely unoffensive. They're very cut and paste, so you can't get mad about it, and yeah. you don't say anything. You don't yeah, end up saying anything. That's true, and a lot of yeah. these. Uh, in a lot of these um, kind of, and maybe I should put these in quotes, political uh, TV programs, you know, like West Wing, Madam Secretary, and so on and so forth, they always have scenes, you know, where they're talking about, you know, where they're talking with their press secretaries, how to present that to do exactly what you're saying. Right. You know, and I think... I think that from your, I think from some perspective, you're right to actually get rid of that, 
you know, uh, you know, throw and throw caution to the wind sometimes. Right. You know, would be refreshing, but you know, when you've got somebody who's unhinged and has, you know, sometimes just says really ridiculous stuff, has no self censorship at all. Right. You know, it's it tends to really. Uh, you know, go from bad to worse really quickly. Yeah. And, and uh, one thing, one other thing I did kind of like about Trump is he like caused chaos within Republicans, and I, I feel like that's a lot. A lot of people like that are like Democrats, like especially liberals, are like very hesitant. They they always take like a like a almost an apologetic tone for like disagreeing with conservatives. Mm-hmm. They're always like, oh, well, let's meet in the middle. Let's do this. We got to work together. We got to have a strong Republican Party. And it's like, no, man, they're the other team and they hate you. Yeah. You need to stand on something because if you want to mm-hmm. negotiate with these people, but you don't have a thing that you're willing to stand on, yeah. you're going to end up just giving them what they want, and yeah. then you're going to end up with a half-assed measure with yeah. somebody well, else. Well, I think, you know, I think that which, I think in some ways that's really, a, you make a very good point that the uh, Democrats need to have a really strong position that they can defend strongly, and, uh, you know, and, and then by the power of their conviction, and rightness, if you will, be able to get what they're looking after rather than, but you know, that being said, you know, I, that I, and I think that if they really had these, had strong defenses, right. you know, you know, that's, that stood up to this uh, right wing machine, you know, that's the way to meet in the middle. Yeah. It's not necessarily by, because I, I don't think that necessarily this, you know, uh, having this combative stature and always wanting to be at odds with each other is necessarily very good. Um, uh, you know, a very good um, uh, position to be in. Uh, I think that we... Um, um, I think that we tend to be a little bit too conciliatory Um you know, and lose too much ground um, by doing that. I will agree with that, but I think that um, you know because it's some it's it's a it's but it is something that has happened in American politics in the past. You know, and we've got to figure out what went wrong. You know, where did you know where did this partisanship start from and how? You know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily. You know, the right becoming, uh, you know, uh, deciding it didn't want to be, I don't know what. It wasn't necessarily from the right just deciding it wasn't going to take it anymore. Um, You know, because if we look back at even Eisenhower, you know, uh, and, and, and other Republicans of that era, you know, even through, you know, even... um, uh, G.W. Bush and Reagan had some uh, policies which now the left would find really very, very reasonable. You Wait, know, in terms Reagan the, and G.W. Bush did? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they were both, yeah, it's surprising to look at it now. 
Well, you know, but I mean, some of their attitudes about... Um, I would have to totally disagree with that. But I mean, maybe so. Maybe there was some little social stuff they well, did. no, no. I mean, like about, um, you know, they were, they were both of them at one time. And we're talking about, you know, 40, 50 years ago. It wasn't like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. The 80s, uh, though? I can't think of, like, one thing that everybody liked. Well, the but Reagan it was thing. like immigration, you know. Oh, he, like, eased immigration restrictions? Yeah, you know, oh, of ha- okay. of ha- you know, of having, having, you know, it actually almost being important. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. where now, you know, the right is, you know, seal the borders, let nobody in. Right. Oh, you know, okay. and, and we're all standing... You know, back to the, uh, you know, with our doors, uh, backs to the door, so nobody can, you know, push their way in. Right. You know. Which is weird, because it's like, the way it's looking like is that China's got like three or four times the population of the U.S., and so by default, that's going to make them a bigger economy, Mm -hmm. you know, after a certain level of development. Yeah. And it's like, if they're trying to keep people out here... And we have a fraction of the population, like we're going to kind of fund ourselves into third place, you know, second place. Well, third place. yes, you know, in, in all aspects, you know, some of some of the very basic aspects of our economy, whether it's the service economy, whether it's the manufacturing economy, whatever, you know, it's you know, um, you know, we're going to be uh, we're going to be less competitive. Yeah, I mean. And maybe that ain't too bad. I mean, there's tons of places that are, you know, to have the tenth biggest economy or that are pretty nice to live or the twentieth biggest. Yeah, economy. I mean, I you know, I I don't necessarily think that the, I don't think that necessarily this notion of being number one at everything is necessarily the best reason to do anything. Yeah, or attainable. <laughs> or obtainable. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, um, by the same token, we can. You know, we can ask the question. Okay, so number one, the uh, uh, China has a number one economy, but what are what are the social consequences of that? You know, are they nece- do, do they necessarily uh, do they necessarily track the uh, sorry net or something? Hmm? Someone's flying in front of my eyes. <laughs> uh, is the economy necessarily tracking? For the average person, is it necessarily tracking? Right. You know, um, mm. is is poverty any better? Yeah. You know, I mean, and then too, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the uh, uh, much larger populations, you know, also or ha- and have, uh, you know, problems of, um, you know, there's a finite amount of space. And are we willing to have our, you know, national parks and so on decimated? Yeah, exactly. You know, for, for larger populations, you know, so it's a complex question. Yeah. You know, and what are we willing to do, you know, to, uh, yeah. you know, to our natural resources? Yeah, exactly. And I kind of wonder how, as time goes on, and like maybe the effects of, uh, global warming get like you know where they're like they're no longer like in the future they're like in your face now i wonder how that's gonna affect like global conservatives i wonder are they gonna like i I know like a lot of like uh uh there was a 
there was a political ideology they were some kind of they're like these weird like right-wing environmentalist and they got some really really rancid politics but uh they're like uh god i forgot what they used to call them they're like uh, eugenicists Hmm. and stuff like that they're like these kind of like center right center right uh uh, think tanks basically mm-hmm. years ago yeah yeah so yeah i wonder if a lot of that's gonna like come back to the fore because that influenced some pretty terrible you know stuff you know oh you know left-wing solutions might be like maybe we ought to help the poor or whatever you know these right-wing solutions they might be more like you know maybe there's too many poor people we ought to do something about this <laughs> you know or maybe uh, we ought to get rid of by them. illuminating there more yeah well mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, they're hurting us if they're there, like, you know, they're poor, they're insignificant, and they're, like, they're using resources, so what are we going to do about this, you know? Yeah, well, uh, if everybody has a little bit of a, of the pie, they're all more productive. Yeah. But if everybody's feeling valued, they're more productive and more willing to contribute. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're a right-winger, you're not going to want to You're not going to believe that. Yeah, yeah, you're going to say, like, you know. Whoever has the money deserves it because they're better than everybody else. You yeah, know? well, if you're not rich, you're uh, you're flawed. Sure, yeah. if you don't mind stealing it from other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that can get pretty dark pretty quick. So kind of very quickly. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, on a on a day like today where it is, uh, you know, in the seventies on Christmas Day, and you know, and um, uh, 35 in Syracuse instead of much lower. Right. You know, they, we've got other issues that we have to relate to, too, which, you know, might be um, exacerbated by larger populations, especially if you have the, especially if you have the, you know, are pushing the point of view that everybody should be having their own car to get to work right. instead of public transportation. You know, which, uh, you know, instead of, uh, you know, electric or hybrid buses, everybody's got their own gas-guzzling automobile. Exactly. You know, so that's, uh, that's, that's another issue. Yep. I just, I kind of wonder how they're going to handle it sometimes. Well, it's here. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't see any more buses in Memphis than there were... You know, 10 years ago, I see less. Yeah. I know there are less. People that I know who uh, have uh, tended to want to take the bus, let's say, from Fraser to Bartlett for work, are saying they've got to drive now. They have to drive because the bus route they used to go a couple blocks from their home doesn't exist anymore. Right. And so, um, you know, uh, the advantage to some, you know, to higher gas prices and higher insurance in country, in let's say European countries, is that they also have, at least they have had when I was living there, you know, really dynamite public transit, you know, it may be a little more difficult when you got out of the you know, from the main cities to some of the uh, smaller towns, but you could get to the smaller towns. Right, yeah. 
you know, and, um, you know, getting a cab or having a friend pick you up at the train station, yeah. you know, then you're getting an issue, then into another issue, but, uh. Yeah, I kind of wonder if that'll be enough sometimes, though, because when everybody stopped, well, not everybody, but a lot of people stopped driving as much for the pandemic and started working from home, you know, maybe getting stuff delivered or uh, just becoming more isolated, that they said it only affected the, affected the, uh, the, uh, the greenhouse emissions by like a quarter or something, so it wasn't, it might have not even been that much, it might have been like a fifth or a sixth. Well, you know, that's, the, you know, that's, but the, the, uh, that's only one of many solutions. Right, right. You know, if so. you're, if you're doing a lot more than, if you're doing just that, sure, that's absolutely correct. But right. if it's, if mass transit is part of a larger program, you know, then you're going to be doing a lot more. Right. You know, yeah, but so. you look at photographs of some cities, you know, like the day before lockdown, and a few days after lockdown, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, what a few days of not having anybody driving did. Yeah, the air quality probably was great there. Air quality uh, improved dramatically. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, I just kind of, from what I, what I understand is, uh, is that a lot of the world's militaries are exempt from... Uh, from any kind of uh, checking for like the amount of uh, waste they put in the air and that some militaries especially the U.S. will put out as much you know much more than you know like the bottom 100 countries combined Mm. so after a while it's going to have to become you know it'll have to become a universal issue you know that you know that even the military has to be well you know of course you know our military has become very well known for, you know, it's overspending and yeah. it's not being mindful of those things. And it's something that has to, yeah. you know, has to be uh, uh, taken a look at. How we justify, you know, that, um, you know, the, how we justify the military being such a large polluter, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily make their, what they do any more efficient. Right. I don't know. It's real complicated questions. Well, sure it is, and uh, I'm not saying that there are easy answers to any any of this, but we have to at least you know look at it. Right. You know, um, it will um, certainly make more work for uh, people with environmental science degrees. Yeah, really. Got quite a pickle to unravel there. Yeah. But I mean, I, I guess if it all goes terribly and everybody goes extinct, I guess you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> you know. Well, yes, you know when we uh, when we kill our when we kill off ourselves and the planet in the next fifty years, it won't be a problem anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, unless you're some little community in the middle of nowhere, and then they said, then they figured, look, there's nobody else. We can move into a bigger apartment now. Yeah, yeah. We can move into an apartment. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of that, I know, I know, I told you, I try to, I try to stick to like, uh, I I try to talk about and champion like class politics over, not, I don't ignore like race politics because that's like, that's a dimension on it too. 
that affects how class interacts with race. Yeah. But I try to, I try to keep the focus more on class because, because I feel like that's if you can help mend. You know, if you could help people that are low middle class do better, then that would remedy some of the race issues more yeah. than like the opposite. Yeah, no, they're sense. they're really kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> but there was a situation where a particular leftist uh, streamer got in trouble. Even he's white, but he he and two of his moderators on his political stream there okay i'm trying it's kind of hard to say because i don't want to say it but there was a white lady uh, allegedly that joined the stream and something happened and they started talking about slurs you know race-based slurs Mm. and the guy one of the moderators called her a cracker and he got banned for using a racist slur and then the stream guy, even though he's white, he called her a cracker. And then he got banned for like a week off mm. of his political stream for using a slur. And the debate was whether the C word is a slur that elevates to a level of needing to be uh, banning people for. From Is that like, does that rise to that level? Like, is that that offensive? Um... That's really a very good question. Yeah. I don't think that the term uh, cracker or redneck are necessarily used as often or with the vehemence. You know, the... I mean, it's certainly insulting. Yeah. But it is not necessarily used with the vehemence and hatred that goes along with the commensurate racial slurs, I don't think. Right, right. You know, and I mean, I can appreciate, you know, somebody who is, you know, of that particular, um, you know, geopolitical crowd, shall we say, that would get called a cracker, would be uh, offended because it does, you know, it it says it speaks volumes, you know, about somebody by calling somebody that word. Yes, it it really does pigeonhole them. Right. Um, but at this at this point, I don't think it necessarily is used as much a, as the equivalent racial slurs. Yeah. It doesn't have the vehemence. I don't think most of the time. It doesn't necessarily have, and as I say, most importantly, it doesn't have, you know, the the hatred behind it. You know, you can call somebody that, right, uh, the c word, and still want to hang out with them later. Right, right, right. You know, you know, you call somebody the n word. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't want them on your street. Right. In right. your town. Right. Anything. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's got different implications. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a lot, and and as I say, most importantly, it, the, the the vehemence and the hatred involved it is much greater. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I just I wonder what you thought about it. I try not to dwell on stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like it's more that that's my opinion. I mean, I understand why people could get 
would be offended. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't use. I mean, I have used it that term cracker, but you know, not not very much. Not necessarily in a way that's, you know, to insult. Well, I guess it is kind of insulting. Yeah. But you know, not to not to be mean about it necessarily. Yeah, you know. I wonder if that's like a northeastern thing too, though, because there was like other names they call white people down here. So, um, I mean, you know, uh, like uh, honky tonks, honky tonks is clubs for white people. That was a southern thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I for up north, you know, we we just hear part of that. We. You know, be called honkies. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was a southeast thing. Yeah. No. Well, it's you know, uh, it, as I say, the whole honky tonk thing is. Yeah. That 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 I've never heard except as, you know, a, a dive bar. Yeah, yeah. Might be called a honky tonk. Yeah, yeah. But not a person. Right. You know. Yeah. It's like that's uh, where you got to listen to rock music. You know. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, but you know. I, um, I, you know, uh, you, you would, you would use the, uh, term honky to refer to it, you know, any white person. Yeah. You know. And from what I understand, actually, some of it's like cultural, like it was something that English people would call like Scottish people or Irishmen or something like that. It had a certain like. It was a way to imply that they were like lazy or whatever. Yeah, you know that that I don't know. Oh, okay. that I that I don't know. I think that, uh, <coughs> I th- I think that it was, you know, uh, just referring to uh, uh, the fact that a person is white, and that on its own merit is bad enough. Right, right. You know. Yeah, uh, I personally, well, I mean, I'm not white, but. I personally take offense to, like, especially stuff that's, like, classist, you know, like, calling people, like, rednecks and stuff like that, because yeah. I feel like the implication is, is, like, you're making fun of them for being poor, and that's, like, that's not I never, th- you know, I never saw, thought of as a, re- a redneck necessarily being a classist, classist term. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought of it as, you know, being, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, more referring to, um, you know, I mean, a, 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 uh, business person because of his or her social and political views, you know, could be referred to as a redneck. It may very well have come from a classist idea because you know you work in the sun all day yeah, yeah. you've got a red neck right 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 yeah sunburn yeah. yeah yeah you know so i can see that that its impetus you know uh was um you know classes but you know i mean that refers to uh, as much as it refers to the workers on a ranch it could also refer to the rancher as well right or, you know, yeah. uh, who's going to have the, you know, political and social view towards the workers. Right. You know, so yeah. I think, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure about the history of it, so. Well, I'm, I mean, ju- I'm just telling you my understanding. Right, of, yeah. You know, where, I got you. You know, we were more inclined, you know, living in Colorado, you know, where, 
we might refer to people as rednecks. Right. You know, they were, you know, both members of the um, ranching community. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, but truckers, you know, could be a redneck. And sure, we're, we're getting into yeah, kind yeah. of a, kind of a class thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I could see somebody in an upper class having the same kinds of views being considered right. a yeah, redneck. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's almost uh, synonymous with cracker. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, it seems like the C words get a little more like punch. You know, it feels like it's a little more... Like the N words, like you know, eh, you know. Like, yeah, well. I feel, yeah, I feel like redneck doesn't have that quite that same kind of, you know, eh, you know. It's not like it's not punchy enough. It's not like catchy and easy to say. Yeah, I mean, you know? as I say, as I say, you know, a lot of those terms, you know, I don't think I ever level the N word at anybody. Yeah. You know, uh, I might probably have used the. Uh, C word a couple of times or the R word, you know, a couple of times. But, you know, uh, you know, they've just that level of characterization. I've just never, yeah. you know, um, uh, yeah. well, I, you know, I found but I found better ways of describing people. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a pretty mixed crowd. I mean, you know, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. So it's like. A lot of the times it was like, I knew white kids, I knew black kids, I knew Latino kids, I knew Asian kids. Yeah. So it was just like, I even knew some Native American kids. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, so it's just like, that stuff never really made a lot of sense to me. You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's over the years it's made less and less sense, you know, as I... I haven't been called a wetback, though. Pardon? I haven't called a wetback. You've been is, called a wetback. Yeah, derogatory term for Latin. You know. Yeah, for for Latin, yeah. particularly Mexicans. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was really surprised. But of course, that, most yeah. people can't tell the difference between one Latino and another. Yeah. You know, if they speak Spanish, you know they, you know, walked across the Rio Grande River illegally and therefore are wetback. Yeah, yeah. You so, know, yeah. that's strange. Yeah, no, I thought it was weird too, but. I guess it was like when I had all my gear on, I was there was a lot of Latino people around and they couldn't really see my face. Yeah. And so they were just like they could see my hair, you know, my back of my neck and yeah. my arms. So I was, you know, yeah, kind of reddish brown color. Yeah. So, well, you know, and yeah. I guess I guess you know if you want to include, you know, Cubans. Yeah. Into the term wet back, which actually it seems to be a fairly racially diverse culture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, then that. What is what it's about? Uh, at least thought like most of that stuff was just about oversimplifying people. Well, yeah, I, that's what I was getting at. Is yeah. that it's an oversimplifying, you know, it's bulking everybody into the, yeah, you know, same thing. Yeah, because there's black Cubans. Uh, pardon? There's black Cubans. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly the point oh, okay. that I'm oh, getting that's, at. All right, that's where you're getting. Okay, yeah, sorry. That's what I'm saying. Is it's, a, it's a yeah. You know, racially diverse. Yeah, I don't mean to short circuit what you were. No, no, I. You were trying to clarify. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, the thing is, I was saying the same. uh, That's what I was trying to express. Okay, I agree. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm glad we got that over with. Yeah, yeah. Because that that was like, I wanted to, I wanted to like get you on on record about that. But yeah, Uh, I feel like a lot of some of that stuff is like, 
it's like the deal with whatever saying Big Bird was a communist or whatever. It's just like popcorn politics. Well, except that if Big Bird was a communist, it would have been red instead of yellow. Yeah, true. Or at least had like one of those nice beanies. Yeah. yeah. You know, or, or would have had a hammer and sickle in <laughs> yeah. a boss somewhere. Yeah. Or he'd be like a panther or something. Yeah. You know? Not a bird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, whatever. I always thought Oscar the Grouch was a communist. Who? Oscar. Oh, Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. Um, he seems so upset about everything. <laughs> you know? I've always thought he was an anarcho-syndicalist. Possibly. Yeah, there'd probably be more. Yeah. I guess he'd be closer to, like, an anarchist than, like, he wouldn't be, like, a Maoist or something like that. No, I don't think but he yeah. could have dealt with Maoists. Yeah, or, yeah. They were a little better, more structured. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's more chaotic. Yeah, he would. He, yeah, he would have wanted to have been just left alone. Yeah, yeah. So he'd be like the guy from the Holy Grail. Yeah. Anarchism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, Look at him oppressing me. The, the Grouch. <laughs> yeah. The Grouch wanted to be his own sovereign person, his yeah. own sovereign entity. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, he's in a garbage can. I feel like I would leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, it's just you know, just like uh, our unfortunate brother, and have to hang around garbage cans. <laughs> yeah. Just the smell alone would keep you away. Yeah, well, um, that's a big issue. All the smell? Yeah. Well, that making showers available. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, hopefully in his anarcho-syndicalist society, you would have Yeah, when we, when we finally showers. achieve that, yeah, yes. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to be more... Yeah, it'd be like a Roman bathhouse, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, public baths for everybody... Uh, you know, That's why not? You know, certainly, uh, you know, that you get up in the morning, you know, you don't have water. You don't necessarily have a lot of water in the oil. You go to the public baths. There you go. And, um, you know, enjoy a soak with your brethren. Yeah. You Would know? he take the garbage can in there with him? Would he, like, leave the garbage? Can he leave the garbage can? Uh, they might have to. They he might. Well, he might end up having private plumbing, you know, to get water into the garbage can wow which would be totally inappropriate <laughs> or politically that would be improving his his material needs so that'd be marxism i guess yeah, well you know uh, but then but then he'd need two garbage cans right right you right. know he'd need a, he'd need a bathing garbage can he'd need need a living garbage can right yeah these logistics are beyond me. <laughs> yeah, the logistics would be outrageous, but right. it, you know, could you know, uh, it would require it would require zoning, it would require plumbing, it right. would require the needs of an of archi an architect. Yeah, you know, a lot of the tradespeople. Yeah, you'd have to get a pretty big commune going to get yeah. all those skills. In order for Mister Grouch to have his own private, you know, plumbing in the trash can, <laughs> it would. Need yeah. to be a much bigger uh, community than I think he could deal with. Right. Well, at least he wouldn't be exploiting the masses, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, at least people wouldn't be criticizing him because of his aroma. Yeah. They'd want to hang out. Well, of course, you know, of course his, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, his... Um, uh, Foul aroma is one of his one of the ways that he ke he keeps his sovereign nature. People want to be around him. He can be by himself. Yeah, and like whose garbage is that? Like, who, is somebody like bringing the garbage? 
Well, it's uh, it's it it is on public it's on public property. It's right. on the oh, sidewalk. Okay, okay. Hmm. You know, it is public. That garbage is pu- uh, is public. public. Yeah, <laughs> public it's, it's not my. It's not owned by anybody. Right, right. You know, I'm not gonna make a joke. I'm thinking about. You know, it's it's you know it's it's getting more and more difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying not to offend anybody. I'm going to leave, <laughs> leave that where I yeah. found it. Well, I mean, I think we're I think we're being offensive enough as it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, to our our brethren uh, our brethren on the road. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been there. That sucks. Yeah, it's good um, to go home. You yeah. know, a yeah. local author not too long ago published a book about the uh, a very empathetic book i might add about the homeless community oh really yeah okay um which i just finished reading which i thought was very good okay yeah yeah so easy to like to like just ignore them it really it really is i mean especially with all of the efforts to get them off the street yeah you know some some uh, more questionable than others mm -hmm. some more questionable than others i know uh while I was working uh, in Nashville, they uh, they did some kind of thing where, like, if you were homeless, you had to, like, wear, like, a triangle on your clothes. Really? And I was like, come on, man. That's <laughs> that's on. getting too, that's <laughs> no. getting a little bit, yeah. you know, too close to home from yeah. other political. I know, right? you know. Uh, Liberals are so scary. You know, I mean, <laughs> put two triangles together in yeah. opposing directions and what do you got? Oh, wait, what do you got? got a star oh oh okay yeah yeah oh yeah okay yeah sorry <laughs> it took me a minute to pick up i was like wait where are we going <laughs> that's where yeah. we were going with okay. that <laughs> just getting right into it huh? okay yeah uh, but you know i mean i think that uh you know the uh um yeah y- yeah. yeah okay yeah believe you me i, I know yeah. okay okay yeah, yeah uh but you know i the homeless issue is I, well, the homelessness hasn't been eradicated, but the visibility of the homeless in Memphis has really right. gone down dra- dramatically. Yeah. You know, um, since I've lived here, of course, the past two years, uh, you know, we've had this pandemic, and so I've been home. I don't know right. uh, how much, how many um, homeless people are out, are out on the streets. I know. At some of the exits off of, let's say, Sam Cooper, you know, some of the guys that I know from being there have are still there. Yeah, I have noticed the ones I've interacted with have gotten a lot more desperate. I know some some of them have kind of disappeared. I think they've they've like passed some new ordinances. Maybe not recently, but maybe they're enforcing them more. I don't know, and I noticed some of them seem to be disappearing, and the ones that are left are like, they seem to be pretty desperate, you know. Whereas before it was kind of like, a, you know, help, you know, anything yeah. you got to like now they're like the walk up on your car and be like, hey, yeah, I need well, help. You, <laughs> you know, know, in a pandemic, it's a lot more difficult when they're, especially the uh, when we were in lockdown. Yeah, it might be getting a little bit easier now because. People are starting to act more and more like it's normal. Right. Oh, okay. You know, it's going out more. Okay. So yeah. maybe, maybe that that's gonna that that desperation is gonna be a little bit less. But you know, I mean, I often will try to just out of you know, it's I I try to make it automatic. Right. 
when I get off the highway, for example, and I see there's someone homeless at the end who's going to want money, I mean, I try to make it automatic where I reach into my pocket. Right. You know, some days I'm not as successful as the others, but I would say that most times, you know, part some of it is just, you know, that they're far away, and you you know, because there's a light with a long line. Right. And they're not going all the way down. But, you know, even then sometimes if I'm stopping, tra I will stop traffic to help somebody out. Yeah. Not all the time. Which... I, I notice I'm like, as I get older, it's been changing a lot. Like when I was a kid, I would be pretty willing to like, you know, throw like pocket change I had or like a dollar or two, you know, at like, you know, the passing, you know, un unhoused people transversing the neighborhood. Sometimes they were like veterans you know, that had, like, a lot of issues, you know, or, like, just regular civilians that had issues. Sometimes they were just, like, normal people They were, like, between jobs or whatever. And uh, when I was a kid, I would, like, do that more. Then I noticed, uh, especially in, like, my 20s, I noticed I kind of went from, like, just, like, throwing them change to, like, I wanted to get more involved with, like, handing out food, maybe little packs of groceries and stuff like yeah. that. I noticed, like, my sense of what is to do has kind of changed a lot and I've become like really resentful like this is not something that just random civilians should have to do this because this is like a systemic issue so there should be government programs that do this this shouldn't be up to like just poor people throwing out scraps to poorer people yeah you know there needs to be like everybody needs to be taxes need to go to this basically yeah. you know yeah. If everybody chips in, everybody doesn't have to give, you know, scrounge their little money together to give homeless people five bucks. Yeah. You know, everybody pays a little bit and we get them to where they can, you know, they get a little, like, just build them like a little dorm or something, you know, give them yeah. a little one bedroom, you know, give them somewhere to go and rest their head at night. Yeah, some or some of these eat. tiny houses. Yeah. You yeah, know, we have, yeah. we have desolate lots in this area. Yeah. You know, that uh, we could build them, let's say, even by the Wolf River. Yeah. You know, we could build them far far enough away from the river, river when it begins to overflow that they could have, you know, some of these little tiny houses. Yeah, there you go. You know, or something even simpler than that where they can just get out of the elements, right. you know, for uh, a night, you know. And we can have, uh, uh, you know, solar-powered heating so they don't freeze. Right. You know, but, you know, I and I understand, I mean, I guess I felt that, you know, but I think that even still, you know, the, uh, the, down, uh, the those, all of these programs that you're talking about, they end up getting so bureaucratic with so right. many rules that people are always going to be falling through the cracks. Not... Not to mention, just as we've been talking, that, you know, uh, uh, Memphis is really dramatic in wanting the homeless population to just not be visible at all. Yeah. So that's not like solving the problem, though. That's it's, just, no, it's not. I was just pushing it's everything not, into the closet. It's, <laughs> not, it's not solving the problem at yeah. all. It's, it, you know, it's, uh, it's exacerbating because whatever funds these folks were getting by standing on a street corner now they're not getting it right yeah. you know or maybe they're getting aggressive in front of a cvs or a walgreen yeah or mcdonald's or whatever right you know 
you know, but it's, it's just like, I feel bad because every once in a while I, I don't do anything and I ignore it. So it's like, I kind of deal with that too. And then it like kind of piles onto my anger that yeah. nobody does anything to actually yeah. like help them. You know? Yeah. It's like, I'm not doing everything I can. Yeah. They aren't doing everything they can. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, the thing is, you're absolutely correct that, yeah. uh, they, they're, you know, we've talked about that aspect about there being a higher taxation who for, for those for whom a billion dollars in taxes still leaves them with multiple billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that that's part of the issue there. Yeah. Um, you know, that but you know, I still try to be in the and trying to develop that mode of thought that um you know regardless of not even of, of just making it always automatic where i reach into my pocket if i've got the money right but sometimes i don't have the money in my pocket yeah you know and you know yeah. uh <laughs> and so i don't but i think that's really and i'm just making a blanket statement here that i think for all of us it's just really better you know, to have that, you know, automatic reaction, you know, because it's that sense of sense of empathy, right? You know, which certainly makes them feel better, makes us feel better, and it's on some level we can say, sure, it's kind of a low level uh, kind of uh, generosity, and it because it because it won't last very long, you know, that individual's got to be standing there hours and hours you know to get enough money maybe just for a motel room that they're staying in right you know uh and some people are saying well they're standing at the corner there could be better spent looking for a job but that's you know if you have no money at all and you've got to pay for a motel room because you got kicked out of your apartment right well looking for a job and you know trying to get to uh, job interviews, especially in a city that doesn't have a uh, much of a um, mass transportation system to talk of, right. that's really difficult. Yeah, it really limits your yeah, because then yeah. you're then you start getting two, three, four days behind, you know, in your um, you know in whatever you're paying for that motel room. Right, and it's not going to be a particularly nice one either. Right, right, you know. Yeah. So I'd rather. It's like everything costs so much when you're poor too. Yeah. It's like the poorer you are, the worse everything is. Like yeah, how difficult it is. Yeah. yeah. You can't afford a car, so it's two bucks every time you get on the bus. You know, if you can't afford like a month long pass or whatever. Yeah. So it's like you know, if you can't afford some place to live. You still got to pay to wash your clothes. You got to pay to stay at a shelter. Yeah. You know, you got to pay to get your haircut. You got to get go buy clothes, and you got to do all this while you're transversing buses that you can't really afford. And it's just like yeah, the, you've got time limits of how long you can stay in some yep. of these. Yep. You know, because there are these services where you can maybe go shower, get a decent pair of clothes that right. you know some did kid didn't piss on when he was sleeping in the park. Right. Right. You know, but they, there are limits to uh, uh, how much you can do, and not. Yeah. I'm not saying that these regulations are necessarily all bad, yeah. but it does make things even that more difficult. Yeah, it kind of becomes like a trap, sort of. Yeah, a, a yeah. vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you don't have you don't have money to you got to have money to save money. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, part of it is for the habitually homeless, I think that the best thing for us to do as a society is to accept this exists. Yeah. This is this is a part of our society. Yeah. This is what happens to people. Yeah. I mean, and some people have like worked hard their whole lives and they still end up like that. I mean, yeah. how many like older guys, I knew a couple of, uh, a couple of the vets that would come get the groceries would, uh, they, you know, they worked for what, no, they went to, they were in the military and they stayed in there for like a decade and then they come out and they'd work like a job somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. to get like a paper job, a paper pusher job, Yeah. you know, and they got personal trauma or they got like trauma with their family Mm-hmm. or something going on and so then they start taking something and they start drinking you know they get a little tiny pension they start drinking they lose their little spot maybe they get into a fight or something they get a bill they can't afford yeah so now it's like everything starts piling up they got bills they got addictions they got you know the stressors of everything making all of it worse you know because mm-hmm. now you need to drink more you're more stressed you need more relief from it yeah. You know, but you got more stress because you ain't got the money for anything else. You know, so it's like, just yeah. like what you were saying, it's just a, you know, yeah. Cyclical. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, I agree. That's what I should yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's the way it was described in this book that I just read. It's like the homeless depending on the other homeless people for their, for kindness. Yeah. You yeah. know. And that's kind of a weird situation. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, in yeah. this, in the sense that one homeless person is providing comfort, co- physical comforts to another homeless person. Yeah. You know, two people who don't have anything. Yeah. You know, I think it's because you can empathize with them. Well, I yes, I realize. Oh yeah, that. yeah. Oh, what sorry. I'm saying is yeah. that nobody else is yeah, yeah. empathizing with them. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, it does seem weird. That seems like it's counterintuitive, like it yeah. shouldn't be like that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off what you were Make it so difficult to I'm make sorry. a point by I'm being per, for, with your damned precision. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, you're like, you're, you're kind of drawing, you know, you're drawing a picture. Fin- yeah. I'm kind of finger painting a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I got you. To, I'll let you do it. Sorry. No, no. But I mean, yeah. I th- I, I'm actually teasing it. I think it helps because right. it, you know, takes the big picture and makes yeah. it, make it Impact. you know, yeah, it's like, it's like you're my translator. <laughs> well, you don't get you. I just like when I when it comes to me in my mind, I'm like, you know, you feeling assaulted by my uh, big big picture way of uh, describing stuff. No, no, it's, like, it's just like once I kind of get it, once I like figure out where you're going with it, it's kind of hard to like, you know, then in my mind I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, well, please do. No, no, yeah. I actually invite that because you know, sometimes I don't have the skills to be so precise right you know and you know i can see the big picture fine and i know what the hell i'm saying but it's hard to it's hard to find a succinct way of saying it right which i mean that's conducive to like radio and stuff so um it's conducive to emotionalism yeah uh it's but you know we need we actually you know, on radio, I probably could have done a lot better if I was more precise than I was. Really? I mean, if you got to well, fill time. Like, hmm? got to fill time, you know. Not necessarily. Well, you know, not necessarily. I mean, sometimes there are times when you have time to fill, time to fill, and you've got to vamp a little bit. Right. You know, that then my 
big picture descriptions are fine, but sometimes you've got, you know, 30 seconds or less to get from one place to the other. Right, right. You know, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. You know. All right. Well, I didn't know if you wanted to. Oops. Do you want to end here or are we finished yeah, with yeah. all of the yeah. uh, topics? Right. Okay. Well, let's. God, we've been recording for like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that we started like five thirty or something, something like that. It's it, we've been uh, an hour and forty one minutes. It oh, looks like. Yeah. Um, want to cut it there? It'd be a little easier to edit. Hmm? A little that way it'll be a little easier to edit if we don't like go super long. You know? Yeah. Well, I was pre- you know for my for my uh, all of my uh, finger painting mode of speech, I was pretty on point all night. Oh to, yeah, yeah. Rather good. than rather than going off into yeah. All kinds yeah. of little tangents here and there. Yeah. I notice when you, when you like the when you like the show better, you you like you kind of keep it within the, you know. It's like you talk about stuff, but it's like relevant to what the show's about, mm. you know. Or like I feel like with Loki, we some of the episodes weren't so, eh, so it's like we kind of, you know. I got a little more diffuse in my. Uh... Yeah, I think we. I did it too though. Because I think I prompted it a couple times when I was listening well, back. the name <laughs> so. says it, Low Key. Yeah, yeah. Which was something that I never stated when we were doing those programs. Oh. But it, I found the uh, title, Low Key, kind of ironic. Oh, really? Yeah, well, simply because of that. You know, you say it fast enough, Low Key. Low yeah. Key. Yeah, yeah. You know, very subdued. Right, right. And that was, you know, that sort of was the tone certainly of the the tone of the atmosphere yeah, yeah. <laughs> of being muted yeah you know then it kind of came to at the end it finally kind of the, yeah. the the highs and lows they were always very yeah they were in extreme highs and extreme lows yeah so okay well i guess we're saying good night to our uh, yeah absolutely hmm? yeah absolutely uh to our loyal to our loyal listeners, both of them. You yeah, both of them. Okay. Thank, yeah, <laughs> That's pretty good. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.